right, today's webinar is sponsored by Real Estate IQ, number one in deal finding. And our speaker today, as many of you already know, is Mr. Paul Limnados from Blink Lending. There he is, and Paul, I'm gonna let you take it from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that picture was taken a few years ago um, when I shaved and I didn't have as much gray in here. Uh, full disclosure, I have not shaven in over a month. Um, I did have to comb down my beard so it wouldn't poke out, uh, but that's enough of the picture. All right, a little about me for those that don't know. Uh, I am a fourth generation real estate investor. Uh, my great grandfathers were and great grandmothers were real estate investors, uh, grandparents, parents, and of course that's been passed down to me. Um, own residential and commercial property, both here and abroad. Uh, in the top left corner there where it says, welcome to Villa Neta. Um, I'm lucky and fortunate enough to be the grandson of a woman who grew up, uh, generations go back, back to Santorini Island after being in the United States for 15 years, working day and nights in sewing shops, she saved enough money to go back home and retire. Um, and she, the idea was to build her dream home on her favorite playground. Uh, well, instead what happened is there's an airport built that same year. My dad turns to my grandma, my grandma turns to my dad and they say, hey, there's no hotels, let's build one. Uh, so for the first 10 years of my life, I grew up in Greece. That's why you'll see at the bottom uh, left corner, I have Greek roots, but very, very much proud of my American heritage. I am a private money lender and licensed conventional lender going on 17 plus years. And during that time, I've originated over, uh, over a quarter billion dollars in originations. I am a lover of scenic bike rides, good coffee, and or great coffee, and good wine. Speaking of good wine, uh, this is what I thought I was going to be um, enjoying, or enjoying with you guys tonight. Um, I switched it to layer cake. Why did I do that? Well, it was cold, and it's what my wife had in the fridge. I do love wine. I mentioned that earlier, uh, particularly reds and cabernets. So any of you out there that have any recommendations, I would love to grow my wine list. So please email me right there. All right, uh, by raising your glass, uh, who believes this uh, slide to be true? Okay, awesome, I don't see them. Um, by a raise of your glass, who thinks this is a half truth? Why is it a half truth? Well, knowing uh, my favorite cartoon growing up was G.I. Joe, at the end of it, they always said knowing is half the battle. I never knew what they exactly meant by that until later on, I finally got it. The second part of that, of course, is action, right? All of you have taken time out tonight to be on this call, whether it was because I invited you or whether because you wanted to get educated or whether because it's a combination of both. My invitation to you is take the knowledge that you're going to get tonight and put it into action. Because really, knowledge without action, it's I'd call it wasted power. All right, so why are we here? Um, well, first, Becky, thank you very much for reaching out. Uh, Becky called last week and said, hey, there's a lot going on in lending right now. We're getting a lot of investors that are asking us questions. We'd love for you to put together um, a presentation and go over it. So of course, I said yes, and here we are. So what we're gonna be talking about tonight is current uh, state of affairs of lending, along with a few other topics. First and foremost, um, we are only talking about borrower or guarantor qualifications tonight or guidelines that pertain to the borrower and not to the property. So we're not going to be talking anything about property tonight except for equity. Now, five things that are looked at in all transactions, whether it's a um, short-term loan, a long-term loan, or anything in between, are one credit two income, three assets, four equity, 
and then five experience. Now you're gonna notice when we go through each of your lending options that we're gonna be referencing these five things um, throughout it. Becky, as far as questions go, it, do I need to be looking over or am I just saving that? I'm saving that all till the end, right? Yeah, I'll just keep going. All right, so what are my current options? First, conventional. Conventional financing has not gone anywhere. Conventional financing is still available. Uh, when you think of conventional financing, I want you to think of financing that you likely have on the home that you live in or financing that Main, Wall, Main Street Wall Street banks offer or retail mortgage companies offer or uh, independent mortgage brokers uh, like Blink Lending offers. Also, uh, conventional for the, we're just gonna be talking about investment loans, although we are gonna dive a little into FHA and VA. FHA and VA do not fall under the conventional financing umbrella, but they do fall under the um, government financing umbrella. So during this conversation, uh, we'll touch on those, but mainly it's conventional and specifically geared towards real estate investors. All right, so what's conventional financing looking at? Uh, we mentioned five things earlier on slides before. Uh, you're gonna notice those five things are here on your left of your screen, uh, credit, income, assets, equity. To the right, we're gonna have the qualifications that underwriting is asking for. Now, um, in talking about what we're going over today, um, these are rules that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac um, sets out. And there's additional overlays, which we'll get into in a few slides that uh, lenders and banks can add on top of that. So when it comes to conventional financing, all conventional lenders will pull what's called a tri-merge credit report. Now, a tri-merge credit report gives you all three credit scores, uh, bureaus. Those three bureaus being Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Now, in pulling all three of those, the intention of that is to get a full scope of an accurate representation of your credit report. You may have noticed that sometimes one score is lower than another or another is higher than, than the other. Uh, reason for that often can be is what one bureau's reporting is different than what the other bureau's reporting. Uh, for example, you may have a collection or your buyer may have a collection. It shows up on Experian, but it doesn't show up on Equifax. Um, or you could have a Capital One credit card. I have a Capital One credit card. Um, I pay it when I pay it. Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion may report to the credit bureaus eat, uh, differently, different times of the month, that means. So Equifax may say I owe zero, Experian may say I owe $3,000. So that's why you'll have the difference in the scores. And all mortgage lenders will go on the middle of the three scores. Notice I said middle, and I did not say average. So if you have a 790, a 754, and a 600, you're going on the 754. You're not averaging the three scores together. If you uh, ever do a loan with two people or more, it's always gonna be the lower of the three scores. Now, I have this little asterisk here. I don't know if you guys can see my mouse or not, but this is for preferred best terms. Clients will often say, hey, what's my, what does my credit score need to be to get the best of the best out there? It needs to be a 740. Anything above a 740 credit score is all treated the same. Now, each increment of 20 points below that gives you different tiers. So for example, 740 and above is a 740 credits, uh, gets you the best. 720 to 739 gets you the second best. 700 to 719, third best, and so on all the way down to 620. Now, income with conventional financing is qualified on personal debt to income calculations, excuse me personal debt to income calculations. What that means 
is your personal income is being looked at. Uh, they're gonna look at tax returns, pay stubs, W-2s, the full nine, and see based on the money that you make per month, do you qualify for this investment property? Now, key um, one thing to put in mind is rental income from a property can offset the payment. So if you're someone sitting there going, hey, look, I make 8,000 bucks a month, my payments are already you know, at 3,500, I probably can't get qualified for another property. Well, you can, so long as the property is leased out. Now, debt to income calculations, uh, the number you wanna remember here is 50%. And this is the pre-tax income you make. You don't want your monthly liabilities to exceed 50% of your monthly pre-tax income. Things that are not included there are utility bills, and it's mainly uh, items that report to on your credit report, any property obligations that you have, and any um, court-ordered obligations or government obligations. For example, child support, IRS-backed tax liens, um, fill in the blank on anything that may not show up on your credit report. Now, assets. Assets of um, the, the biggest change, which you're going to find out isn't much, um, is come to assets in that if you own the property you live in and then you own four other rental properties, they want to see six months of reserves for these four properties and then two months for the home that you live in. So what does that mean? All right, you own four investment properties. Your payment on each investment property with property taxes, homeowners insurance, and any potential HOA dues is $1,000 a month. So we're asking for six months of reserves for all properties owned. So 1,000 times six months, 6,000 times the four properties that you have, 24,000. Let's pretend the home you live in is 2,000 a month. 2,000 times two is 4,000, add it to the 24, you need to show $28,000 in reserves after closing. What does reserves mean? Reserves mean money left over in accessible um, asset accounts that can be used in the case of an emergency. You have a reserve account to go into should a virus take over and your tenant stop paying. You should the property be empty for X amount of months to have that there. Now, equity um, can, goes both ways. Uh, equity goes with down payment and equity goes with refinancing, purchasing or refinancing. When you're purchasing a property, the equity is the amount of money that you put down as a down payment to buy the house. When you're refinancing a house, the equity in the house is the difference from what you owe or what your loan balance will be versus what the house is worth. Whenever you're buying a house, the minimum down payment is 15%. So you're going, Paul, well, you're telling me 20 to 30 here. You're telling me 20 to 30 here. That's true. Uh, you do have options with 15% down, but you carry mortgage insurance. So more often than not, the investor is going to choose 20% as their down payment. The more you put down, the better your terms. Well, why? It's a less risk loan. The more money you have invested in the deal, the less money the bank's lending you, the lower the risk. And in any transaction, when the risk is, the risk is lower, therefore the terms are lower. The 30%, that starts to come once you've exceeded X amount of properties um, or you're trying to get the best of the best interest rate. Experience, uh, going to the fifth bullet point, really doesn't matter when it comes to conventional financing because they're looking at your debt to income ratio. Experience will come into play when you're wanting to purchase an investment property or refinance an investment property that's not already rented out, meaning there's no lease agreement in place there. 
So uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they want to see that you have experience so in order to count the income. So if you have uh, other rental properties and you're marginally qualified on debt to income, so long as the payment offsets the, um, your lease offsets the payment rather, uh, you should qualify. Now, if it doesn't, you wanna make sure that the income you make per month can carry the no payment in addition to everything else that you have. All right, moving on. <clears throat> what to expect with conventional financing? Guys, there's no shortcuts here. You're gonna provide documentation. Um, often I have a client that says, why do I have to give you that? I laugh at that and I go, are you bleeping kidding me? You're asking for $300,000 and you wanna ask why I'm asking for your bank statement or your tax returns? So there is a little bit of a get real here, right? They're asking for your tax returns. We're asking for your W-2s. We're asking for your bank statements. It's not a big deal. Um, if you have them, great, send them over to us. If you don't, let's look at alternative options. And now after you provide this heap of paperwork and you've gone through a two, three, well, three, four week process, uh, why are you doing all this? Because the rates are smoking, they're low. Um, unless you're living under a rock, uh, these are the two things you know right now. The last dance is out. <laughs> Mike, uh, two interest rates are silly, silly low right now. The feds dropped the rates. Uh, that all happened about a month ago. Uh, Mortgage-backed securities are starting to be bought more. So rates are trickling even lower than they are. So for those out there that are considering refinancing, considering purchasing, um, know people that are considering that, I highly recommend uh, you look at your options, whether that's with us or anybody else. So why are you going to go through this conventional uh, process to get low rates. What are the low rates? Well, right now you're in the threes, the fours, and the five percents, depending on what you pick. And these are fixed interest rates. So the big difference in conventional financing and other financing is you can get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Don't ever worry about it again. You want a long-term tenant in there, get that loan, put them in, go on happily ever after. Also, they don't have things like prepayment penalties. Um, they're just the best of the best out there. All right, so part of this presentation uh, that Becky asked to put together was to say, hey, Paul, what's changed? Um, don't give people a, uh, a rundown on what conventional financing is. She didn't say that, I just threw that in. Uh, what's changed? Really nothing unconventional has changed. Now you've heard of a lot of things changing. I've even put some posts out there of some things changing. So those things that changed, what were they? They're overlays. What's an overlay? Well, it's an additional guideline that's not required. Um, Got it. All right. Um, I might get in trouble for this metaphor. So you do not have to do certain things that are set out there right now, uh, like wear a face mask. But if you go into a restaurant and the restaurant requires you wear a face mask, you have to wear a face mask or you're trespassing, right? So that would be an overlay. The face mask is an overlay. So a lot of lenders have come out, uh, big bank say we need 700 credit scores and we need a minimum of 20% down. That is their rule. They put an overlay on top of the guidelines. That is not what Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac has said. So Becky, everybody watching, Nothing, nothing has changed post, pre, during all this uh, pandemic, the C word, whichever one you want to use. Nothing has changed in lending. What you're experiencing are individual lenders putting overlays on top to protect themselves more into what they think they should protect themselves at. So big bank is lending money. Fannie Mae says, hey, you can have this money based on these guidelines. Bank goes, look, 
I get you're saying this, but we want to put stuff on top of it. And that's exactly what's happened. So what do you do? Well, if one lender is saying, hey, uh, we require 700 credit scores now, go to another lender. It has never been more important. And there's a few times I'm going to get in like this so you guys, uh, not to show you my big Greek nose, uh, but to get serious and have you guys kind of tune in. So let's take a quick moment and tune back in. It has never been more important for you to be aligned with an independent mortgage broker than now. Um, independent mortgage brokers, they were created because banks had this rule and banks had that rule and banks had this rule. An independent mortgage broker came in and said, hey, instead of calling this bank, that bank, and this bank, call me. I know all of their guidelines. And if you call me based on your situation, I know where to place your loan. So big banks, debt government backed banks wall street banks they're putting overlays left and right as an investor you don't want to use them anyway uh, said differently you are silly you are absolutely silly if you use a big bank as a real estate investor like no other way to say that i hope you're offended if you've used one uh second is uh retail banks out there so retail banks uh retail lenders this is likely the lender um amcap is a retail lender um well, I'm not going to promote other lenders on this uh, this webinar, uh, but retail lender is somebody that operates in a space that has multiple branches in multiple states. An independent mortgage broker are, well, all the people that are at the uh, RIAs that you go to as vendors, all of us lenders are independent mortgage brokers. So if you don't like Blink, that's completely okay. Call a different independent uh, mortgage broker. So that's uh, overlays, and that is the um, that is the biggest impact that we've seen out there for investors is the overlays uh, coming on top. Again, the additional guidelines. The other big change in conventional lending, and I know it's a bit of a contradictory statement. Hey, nothing changed. Well, what's the other big thing that changed? It's just the verification process. Uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac came out and they said, hey, look, we get what's going on in the world today. But really the only thing that's impacting is people's employment, which is huge, right? Someone's employment to pay back a loan. So the only thing we're going to do different is we're going to verify employment all the way through the end of the process. So it's very, it was very common to have the verification of employment done once throughout the lending process, typically towards the end. Now you're having it done right before final approval once, twice before docs are sent, and three-thirds before the wire is sent. Uh, what does this mean to you? Really just be, be a little more patient. It might take an extra day, maybe two, um, but conventional financing, you are gonna close and the rates are great. So the big takeaway in all this, if you qualify for conventional financing, go out, get your loan. All right, so uh, option two. Um, oh, I failed to mention earlier, you really have three options right now to get financing. We just went over option one, that was conventional financing. For lack of better terms, we're gonna go over non-conventional financing now. Um, two types of non-conventional financing available to you. One, local non-Wall Street banks. Non-Wall Street bank. Who's a Wall Street bank? Well, when you go to the stock tickers and you see those banks that are publicly traded, that's a Wall Street bank. A bank that is privately owned is not a Wall Street bank. So one option is local privately owned banks, and the other is what was referred to as non-QM mortgage. QM stands for qualified mortgage, and non-QM mortgage is responsible alternative lending for non-traditional mortgage borrowers. Non-traditional mortgage borrowers basically means non-conventional mortgage borrowers. Non-QM, this loan right here, the non-QM, extremely popular over the past two, three years. This is by far 
the biggest blow that has come to us real estate investors. I personally am impacted by this right now. I too am self-employed and I love taking advantage of my God-given American write-offs, tax write-offs that is. So I play the game fair. And if it says you can write this off, I'm gonna write this off. Um, I don't know who said it, but it's one of my favorite sayings. There are two tax codes in America. There's one for the informed and the other for the uninformed. I suggest you get on the informed tax code. So the big thing in this non-QM loan for investors is they allowed us to not use our tax returns. We could take full advantage of all of our write-offs and then we could turn around and get an awesome 30-year loan. Whether it was fixed for 30 years or whether it was fixed for three, five, seven, ten, it was our choice. And all we had to do was have a good credit score and show a lease agreement in place. And if we we're doing that, I mean, it was turning. It was great. You called this person, they were charging two points. You hung up. You called this person, they were charging a point. You could uh, haggle with the rate. And the financing was everywhere. So now that uh, the C words come in, what happened to non-QM lending? Boom. It's gone. Now, um, is it gone, gone, gone? Uh, it's still some of those guys out there. What are they doing? They're charging 8%. They're charging three, four points. So if that fits you, take it. If it doesn't, don't. All right, do not worry, though. Um, Non-QM has gone away before. And like the Terminator, it comes back. We just don't know when, but it will be back. All right, so what do you do when there's uh, when you don't know what to do when you're at a fork in the road, right? It's, well, Paul, I, I take advantage of my write-offs. Um, you just told me that you're in the same boat as me. What are you doing? Or what are clients like you or clients like me doing in this situation? Well, first, think local. Local, local, local. What, what local? Well, a few slides ago, I showed Central Bank. That's not by accident. Uh, Central Bank is actually the bank that I bank with. Um, I absolutely love them. Big, big, big shout out to Bonnie Purvis over there. She is absolutely fantastic, uh, a true tr uh, professional's pro, and I highly recommend you reach out to her. Please do not waste her time if you are not qualified. Uh, if you have a question on that, please reach out to me. But why did I choose Central Bank? I chose Central Bank because they're the largest privately owned they're the oldest privately owned bank in Houston. Let me replace the word largest with oldest. They're the oldest privately owned bank in Houston. They actually only have four branches. Uh, why it was important for me to get um, a relationship or establish a relationship with a bank before I needed them. I started this relationship going back two years ago. Uh, before I needed them, and I chose a privately owned bank that had a history of not being bought is because I did not want to form a five, 10, 15 year relationship with a bank that is ultimately purchased by another bank. Why not? Because I just ranted and raved about Bonnie. Bonnie is great because she knows her chain of command and what they want. If another bank comes in and buys Central, Bonnie has a new boss. And when Bonnie has a new boss, what it sounds like is this, Paul, I'm very sorry. Of course, I value your relationship. I hope you don't go anywhere, but these are the rules I'm dealing with now. So local banks, think of them first, especially ones that are privately owned, because when all this stuff is going on, the only way banks like this survive is with my deposit money and your deposit money. So when I'm someone that has a good amount of money kept in their account and they've been able to pay me nothing for it, but they're lending it out at four, five, and 6%, well, their whole a bank's livelihood is based on the deposits they get because now they're able to lend them out, right? So Central Bank is who, uh, who I use. Um, 
for those that aren't here in Houston, and if you're in Houston and you're buying a property outside of Houston, Central Bank's not going to lend to you in Dallas or Austin. So what happens as an investor if you find a property there? What do you do? Well, go to uh, call uh, our good uh, uncle, Uncle Google, that is, and say, hey, Uncle Google, local banks in this zip code. And these banks are going to pop up and start sifting through all the ads of the ones that are you know, national or claiming to be local. And you want to call them and say, hey, my name is uh, Virginia and I am uh, an investor. I have a residential property that is leased out and I want to get a commercial loan. Who's your commercial loan officer? And then they'll transfer you over to your commercial loan officer and then start talking to them. It's important that you establish relationships beforehand. And guys, I get you don't know where you're going to buy a property, but having a relationship with at least one bank is a great start. And if you don't have it, all the other stuff that I talk about tonight or beforehand, the biggest, biggest thing for you to do is to go get a relationship with the local bank. Now, I mentioned earlier, I'm in the same boat as you. I bought a house that is pretty expensive, and I moved my family into it. We're living in there now. We've got our old house on the market. Um, I did a private money loan to buy the home I moved, lived in. I did it as a negotiation tactic. I wanted, there were multiple offers, and I wanted to get mine in. So I said, hey, I'll buy it cash. And then later I said, hey, it's a private money loan. Um, I got it, and the idea was to completely renovate it, which we have, and we've moved into it, but now refinance it to a conventional loan, or sorry, to a non-QM loan. And well, 30 days ago, we all know what happened. So now what I did is I just called Central Bank and they're gonna give me a 15 or either a 20 year loan, which will buy me some time until everything comes back. And then I could either refinance to a conventional or just stay in the bank loan. Now, what are local non Wall Street banks? What are they looking at? We talked about uh, the five things, credit income assets. They're still looking at credit. Um, now, 740 and above, still the best. Income, they're gonna use common sense underwriting here. They're gonna say, hey, is this someone that, well, if you, if you haven't filed your tax returns, forget about it. No one's going to lend to someone that might owe Uncle Sam money. So now if your tax returns don't show income, but you have money in the bank, specifically their bank, now they don't want to upset you. So, hey, you know, I don't want to lose you as a client. So I'm going to give you a loan so long as it makes sense. You know, what makes sense? Don't go there saying, hey, I want a loan on a property. The loan's $1,500 and I have it rented out for $1,100. It has to positive cash flow and you want it to positive cash flow by 25% above the payment. So $1,000 a month is what the payment's going to be. You want to rent it out for $1,250. Why $1,250? Because $1,250 is 25% more than $1,000. That $250 difference is your 25% buffer. Assets, they still want, they, look, banks want to lend to people that they don't need to lend to, right? I love lending to people that don't need to borrow money. Why? Because it's so safe. So the bank is going to want to lend to somebody that they know is a safe bet. So they still want to see assets and reserves for properties. Now, um, they can be flexible with their rules. Equity, still the same, 20 to 30% equity. And experience, yeah, they really want you to be experienced um, or be a preferred client. Now, if you're experienced and you're a current client of theirs, sorry, not preferred, an existing client of theirs, um, then that's pretty much the good, um, you know, go straight ahead. Yes, I have experience and I have a relationship with you. Now, if you're going, well, Paul, you know, I, I need a non-QM loan and the bank loan doesn't work for me. What's my best option? You may want to consider just staying in your private money loan for a few more months. Oh my God, I'm paying nine, 10, 11, 12%. It's okay. You might be better off 
paying that interest rate for another two, three, four months while all the dust settles, and then going to, if non-conventional comes back, which there are whispers that it'll be in June, I don't think so. I think it's gonna be longer, uh, but it's my opinion and mine with everybody else's really doesn't matter because none of us know anything, right? I consider staying in your private money loan. And if you have a unique scenario and you wanna talk about it one-on-one, -on -one, feel free to reach out. My phone number, I'll give it at the end, but I'll do so now, is 281-221-7383. That's 281-221-7383. All right, uh, so what do I expect? Well, banks aren't gonna give you 30-year money. They're just not gonna tie it up. They're definitely not gonna give you 30-year fixed money. Uh, what will they offer you? They tend to offer five-year fixed rates over a 15 to 20-year um, amortization period. So your loan is amortized over 15 years or 20, but your rate is fixed for five years. So at the end of that five years, your rate can adjust or you just refinance it within that time or at that time. So what's the upside to a local bank loan? Common sense underwriting. What's the downside? Well, you're probably not gonna cash flow as much. Not probably, you're not. Instead of having a 30 year term, you're gonna have a 15 or 20 year term, which is the next slide. Um, and that'll eat into your cash flow. But when you're paying some, if you have a car on a three year loan versus six year loan, you're paying off your car faster. If you have a mortgage on a 15 or 30 year, you're paying off your mortgage faster. And should you decide to sell your car before you pay it off or sell the property more specifically before you pay it off? Because more money has gone towards principal on a short amortization schedule, you're gonna owe less. And when you owe less, what happens? Well, you make more. So it might not be a great, um, it gets you jumping out of your seats today, but it's definitely, definitely um, the best option out there outside of conventional financing. All right, so why use uh, non-Wall Street banks? Well, I mentioned they use common sense underwriting and because relationships matter. Their survival is upon your deposit business. My favorite, private money lenders. I need to take a quick break. How are we doing with time, Becky? You're, are you muted? You're muted. You're at 6.42, so you're doing great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. One thing maybe to talk about for a minute, uh, some people are asking about credit unions as for their local bank. Yeah, so credit union actually, um, is, is there a private credit union? Yes. Uh, sometimes you'll have credit unions that do conventional loans. And so the question to ask is, you know, your credit unions, do you portfolio your loans? Uh, do you keep those in-house or are you a Fannie Mae uh, lender? So credit unions, banks like the big Wall Street banks, they can get uh, Fannie Mae approval and they're a lending out Fannie Mae money. Um, the local private banks, they're, they're, it's their deposit money that they're lending out based on their rules. So instead of it being an automated computer system that says, yes, you qualify or no, you don't qualify, which is what conventional financing is, local bank financing or um, local privately owned credit unions are going to look at the money they have in their deposits and they're going to lend it based on their guidelines. So instead of a computer, think of a round table uh, of people looking at files going, hey, do we want to lend to Becky? Do we want to lend to Kevin? Yeah, you know what? They're good people. Let's do it. All right, so what is a hard money loan? What is a private money loan? Um, I get asked this question all the time. Paul, what's the difference between a private and a hard money loan? Um, tomato, tomato? Uh, no, big difference is hard money lenders tend, not all of them, tend to get by 
far majority, uh, tend to get money from local banks, um, Wall Street banks, or hedge funds. And so here they've gone out and they've leveraged their experience and their backing and saying, hey, can we get a line of credit? Whether that's 1 million, 10 million, anything in between, anything above, they borrow that money from a bank at, or a hedge fund at X percentage, and then they um, give you the loan at Y percentage. Now, hard money, you're going to uh, typically always have appraisals, always have guidelines. Why? Well, really, you're getting a bank loan that someone else is guaranteeing on top of your guarantee. Private money lenders, these are people that have saved money their entire lives, are dealing with retirement money, um, are dealing with checking savings account money, or are a group of private lenders that have come together and said, hey, we're not going to deal with banks. We're not going to get hedge fund money. We're just going to lend private money. Uh, quick little plug, Blink Lending, we are a private lender. We do not get any of our money from banks or hedge funds. Uh, that is one of the reasons why we've been able to continue as uh, usual during these times. Now, um, Paul, that's great, but I still don't get what a private money loan is. Um, everybody, pen and paper. This is my quick joke. We'll go fast. Write that down. That's all you need to know. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. In all seriousness, guys, a private or a hard money loan, it's nothing but a mortgage. It's just a mortgage like any other mortgage with just different terms. So it's still a, a borrower. It's still a property. Now, what are the rules for private money lending? We spent some time on the conventional side. We spent some time on the non-conventional side. Uh, for the private money, I mean, you really could take credit off. I know tons of private lenders that never ask credit. It baffles me. You've worked your entire life to save money. Now you're gonna lend it to someone you don't even care about the credit score. Silly you, and then you lose, and then you wonder why. Because you didn't check their credit, that's why. Income, do they have money to pay back? A lot of private lenders don't even take a look at income. Why would you not look at income? Why? You are about to lend somebody $100,000, $200,000, and you don't know what their money, how much money they have. And this is what I hear all the time, because I don't care, all I care about is the property. Silly, silly, silly thought. Um, assets, how much money they have in the bank? This one, I, okay, private lender, you don't ask about credit. Okay, you don't ask about income. Okay, you don't ask about income. Maybe it's a glass of wine that I've drank, but you don't complain to anybody if you lose. You didn't check. Do they have money? Do they have money? You're going to lend someone money, and they don't even have any way to pay you back, nor do they know their credit history. Uh, equity. How much equity is in the deal? This is obviously pretty important. Most private lenders do a great job of paying attention to this. Uh, experience. It's up to you. So private lending, why they're left blank here on the right is because they're your rules. You made your, I, I gave some private lenders a bit of a hard time there. Um, but at the end of the day, who am I to tell you how to lend your money? I didn't work that shift. I didn't eat off the left side of the menu instead of the right side of the menu when it came that time. I did not take that vacation. You did all that. Um, and because you did all that, well, he or she with the gold makes the rules, right? Um, so it's your money. You get to make the rules. You get to make the rules. Don't get pushed around. All right, so why, why would you ever use private money? Well, property doesn't qualify. You don't qualify. You want to leverage money. You may or may not know this, but if your neighbor is selling their house to you for $100,000 and it's worth $300,000, you go to a bank, you go to a uh, retail lender, you go to an independent mortgage broker for a long-term loan, you are putting a down payment on the lesser of the two, the purchase price or the appraised value. 
So here's your neighbor. They're selling you a house for 100,000. It's worth 300. You're putting 20% down on that $100,000. That's not smart. So, well, it may not be smart. Uh, so what are your other options? You can call a private money lender or hard money lender. You get 100% financing on that $100,000. And then day one, after you close, you can refinance that into a long-term loan. What's the downside there? You may pay double closing costs, time and a half with the discounts, et cetera. Um, what's the upside? You just saved $20,000. So uh, leverage. The other is time. You know, you, you've got to close quick. You don't have the selling that your neighbor needs to sell their house for $100,000 and they're only going to sell it to you for $100,000 because they need to move in two weeks. If they want, could wait four, six weeks for you to get a bank loan, you might as well put it on the market and make $300,000. Mm-hmm. All right, what to expect? Becky, you want to unmute yourself real quick? Will you hit your uh, mute button? Uh, thank you. Uh, what to expect, guys, with private money? It's expensive. It's expensive. Um, the most expensive mortgage loan you've ever gotten. You're looking at 9, 10, 11, 12% interest rate uh, with a few points just for acquiring money. I promise you, there's probably just a small percentage of people on this call that have not, small, that have not paid higher interest than what I just mentioned on a credit card. Why am I mentioning that? Because you haven't had a problem paying 20%, 15%, 25% interest on a pair of shoes or concert tickets or a dinner or shots at the bar, but somehow you're complaining about a 10, 11, 12% interest rate on a private money loan. So guys, please don't be offended, but this is my invitation to you. Don't worry about what it costs you. Worry about how much it makes you. If it makes sense, it's likely to make dollars. If it doesn't make sense, it's likely going to cost you dollars. So run your numbers and then keep it moving. All right, Paul, you've been talking a lot. I'm confused. What does this all mean? It means this, guys. Nothing else other than this. Don't limit your exit strategies. As a private lender, my number one, number one concern is always how do I get my money back? back. It's not how much do I make? It's how do I get my money back? I just lent you hundred grand. How do I get it back? Me as a private lender, it's important that I have multiple extra strategies. So even when clients come to me and they say, Paul, I plan to flip this house. I'm looking at them going, can I get them out of this loan if I need to? If I need to refinance them to a conventional loan, do they qualify? If I need to send them to central bank, do they qualify? If I need to send them to a, well, non-QM is gone, do they qualify? And if they don't qualify, can I get rid of the note altogether outside of my circle? So I've had, uh, I had loans at the beginning, uh, three of them particularly, that I was running some challenges with. I turned to the client and I said, look, we're not extending your loan. This is the date the payment is due. We'll work with you, but you need to refinance these out with someone I don't know. What I'm not gonna do is take a loan that I don't wanna do and give it to someone that I know, right? So you as an investor, you've gotta have multiple extra strategies. Can I sell it? Can I own or finance it? Could I wholesale it? Could I refinance it? Am I able to refinance it with a local bank? Am I able to refinance it conventional? Is my private or hard money lender willing to extend me should I need it without just smashing me with a bunch of fees? So don't just look at this as, oh man, I'm finding that property right there and I'm gonna turn around and sell it. You need to have multiple exit strategies. I was reminded um, probably about a week ago when uh, everybody's like, well, Paul, what do you think of this? Paul, what do you think of that? And it just came to me out of nowhere. Uh, I, you know, 
the five hundred thousand dollar price point I keep hearing is going to take a hit, and then I'll hear, oh no, it's only it's over eight hundred thousand. Uh, no, it's over three hundred thousand. You know what? I think they're all right. I do think three hundred, five hundred, and eight hundred thousand dollar price points are going to get hit. Where I don't know. So um, our office is in the Heights. I promise you. $500,000 price points are not going to take a hit in the Heights. Now, is a $500,000 price point in Kingwood going to take a price hit? Maybe. So the point of me sharing this with you is you've learned a lot since you decided to get into real estate. There is one thing you knew before you decided to get into real estate. It's actually not one thing you knew. It's three things you knew. It's the only thing you knew about real estate before you got into it. It's the same about the restaurant business. Um, if we were in a room, I would say, hey, does anybody want to take a guess? It's three rules. You knew this before you knew anything else. Ha! Ah, right, somebody, location, location, location. So guys, just as it is important right now to align yourself with local banks, it's also super, super important that you define the areas in which you're going to pay attention to. If you're starting, if um, you pay attention to national news and you live in Houston, it likely doesn't impact you as much. So what do you want to do? You want to pay attention to Texas news, right? We're Texas real estate investors. What happens in Chicago, respectfully, doesn't matter as much to us here in Texas because this is where we're lending. Now, what happens in San Antonio? What happens in Dallas? What happens in Austin? Doesn't matter as much to those that are living in Houston. Now, for those living in Houston or other cities, you guys get, I live in Houston, that's why I keep saying Houston. Now, if you're in Houston, areas like the Heights are likely not gonna be impacted as much as, let's say, I'll just keep using Kingwood. My mom lives in Kingwood. I love Kingwood, nothing against Kingwood. Um, the point of me sharing this with you is now is a time, I think more than ever in real estate over the past 17 years since I've been involved, is to pay attention to location, location, location. Real Estate IQ does an amazing job of providing you with tools that you need to hone in on the location. So for all those that already are uh, subscribers and members of Real Estate IQ, congratulations, you're already on the right path. For those that haven't, guys, their service is so stupid cheap, sign up for it. All right, let me do a little um, self-promoting here, Blink Lending, that is the website. At the bottom here, is uh, if you want to get instantly pre-approved, go there. You get your pre-approval letter instantly, not days later. Um, Blink Lending, what about us? I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Love them, love them, love them. Um, peanut butter and jelly are like ham and burger. You know, they, they, they just go together better than separate. So peanut butter sandwiches by themselves, yeah, they're good. Uh, jelly sandwiches by themselves, Mm, all right. Um, so what's the point of this? You want to work with the lender that's peanut butter and jelly. What's peanut butter? What's jelly? Private lending, conventional lending. We do both. We're peanut butter and we're jelly. We're ham and we're burger. Why on God's green earth would you work with a private or hard money lender that doesn't do long-term financing? The computer didn't scream, didn't freeze. I just asked you a question. Like, why would you do that? I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. Uh, for especially if you are a buy and hold investor that qualifies for conventional financing. This is what Blink is great at, taking care of clients who are have great qualifications. If you're someone that has great credit, great uh, good income, great assets, we are a great lender for you. If you're someone who's building 
your credit, someone who's building your income, someone who's building your assets, we're likely not the best for you. But if you're someone that has 700 plus credit scores, you have a tax reportable income, and you have, let's say, 30, 50,000 more in assets, we're a really, really good fit for you. Now, why is that important to you? Well, you're buying a property that's distressed, you're renovating it, and now you want to convert it to a long-term loan. Why do you want to convert it to a long-term loan? Because you don't want to pay me 10, 11, 12% interest on it. You're not going to cash flow as much. So as soon as the property is ready, meaning it's been rehabbed, now you want to get out of that loan. Earlier when I said, why would you get into a private or hard money loan? I said qualifications, the property doesn't qualify or you don't qualify. What I mean by the property not qualifying is it's not livable, marketable, and safe by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac's definitions. That's livable, marketable, and safe. So if it's ugly, it needs a paint job, a new carpet, that'll qualify. If it has holes in the walls, you know, missing kitchen cabinets, uh, missing toilets, sinks, um, holes in, in uh, windows, roof shingles missing, you're not gonna qualify. So that's why you need a private money loan. And once you, the house is fixed, well now it can qualify for conventional financing. So we do both. Why would you choose us? We're really, really fast. That is a cheetah, for those who don't know. Cheetahs are super fast. Uh, they're faster than all of the others out there. We're faster than all of the others out there. How fast? We are instant fast. Instant is an adjective happening or coming immediately. I needed a pre-approval letter, fast. So I went to blinklending.com and got it in an instant. That is the word. It's an adjective, and I used it in a sentence. Why else? Well, you wouldn't go shopping without your wallet. You wouldn't go shopping without your credit card. Uh, you should never go house shopping without your pre-approval letter. Blinklending.com backslash instant pre-approval letter. That is for you house hunters out there that are looking to buy a home to live in. Again, we do conventional loans. We do all the loans the big banks do. We just do them faster. Um, and I'll get to the other parts. Uh, BlinkInvestmentLending.com, that's for all you real estate investors out there. There's a difference in the pre-approval letter or the proof of funds. Actually, the Blink Lending is a, uh, a regulated pre-approval letter. Blink Investment Lending is a proof of funds letter that we know your sellers wanna see without the written um, verbiage that we have to have in there for compliance on the homeowner side. Another reason our rates are low, low, low. How low? Smoking low. We have 3% rates. We have 4% rates. We've got 5% rates. All right, the wine has definitely kicked in. I'm loving this. And they're fixed rate, guys. So um, why would you want to use us? Our rates are lower than your bank's. Why are our rates lower than your bank's rates? Or why are our rates lower uh, than probably any lender that you know. Um, short version is this, we operate on the wholesale side, they operate on the retail side. Are there other lenders that operate on wholesale side? Yes, they are. Um, so, well, Paul, if you're wholesale and they're wholesale, how are your rates lower? Well, there's, um, in our company, there's myself, there's Gabe Lukish, there's uh, Ravi Kaku, there's Rick Stegall, there is Judy Mott, and there's Kelsey Roberts. That is the Blink team. It's six of us. We're small. We have outside um, contractors and uh, third parties that we work with that do support our outside team. But we're a small company uh, that likes to carry a big stick. And because of that, we have very low overhead. We have six people. So there's not, you're not dealing with a loan officer that has a branch manager, that has a regional manager, that has a boss, that has an owner 
that has whatever else and it all trickles down. When you're dealing with Blink, you're dealing with the six of us. So we're able to come in right below where we know the market is and offer lower rates. The 3% is not for you investors. Please do not call me tomorrow and say, hey, Paul, you said 3%. I did. That's if you own the home you live in. So if you're wanting to refinance, if you're wanting to pull money out of your house, you're in the 3% range. If you're an investor that has good credit um, and you don't mind paying a little bit, you're in the 4% range. If you're someone that says, hey, I want no closing costs at all, well, 5% is your rate or higher. So we have options. You're always going to get options with us, uh, never less than three. So I want you to imagine a seesaw on one side rates on the other fees as one tilts down, the other tilts up, and it's just about finding that balance for you. Each property is different. You may choose to live in a house for 12 years. You may choose to have a house as a rental for two years. You may need to want to have a, a rental for seven years. One loan does not fit all. So we'll have a, um, a customized options for you. All right, now what else we mentioned? Why would you choose us over others? We're faster, we have lower rates, and all of our loans, 100% organic, Texas raised, natural, non-GMO, no preservatives. What the heck does this mean? Oh, where's my junk-free slide? Becky, you crushed me. Wait, I got it. No, you guys killed my presentation. There it is, no, they did me wrong. Oh, there it is, boom. Becky saved the day. She's amazing. <laughs> Becky, that's like Jordan come through in the clutch right there. <laughs> like, you need something past the ball. All right, uh, so we're a junk-free lender. Uh, we don't charge junk, normal junk bank fees. Becky, I don't know what just happened, but it looks like the oh, slide went off. There uh, we go. On the private money side, guys, we're not charging you interest on money you haven't gotten. So we don't charge you interest on your rehab budget. Uh, you wouldn't pay interest on a credit card unless you've used the money. Why the hell would you pay interest on your undrawn rehab budget? I know, because the, the private lender or the hard money lender is gonna tell you something like this. I put the money aside. So since I put the money aside, I have to charge you interest. Now that might be true, but you don't have to pay for it. Just because they have to charge it doesn't mean you have to pay for it. You have options. A few slides ago, I said, have multiple options. Guys, don't pay interest on money you haven't gotten. You wouldn't pay for dessert if you didn't eat it or order it. Why the heck would you pay for money that you haven't used? You only pay for it when you use, right? Uh, Becky, am I good or? Um, I think I, after this, I pretty much, I can't control anything, right? That's you. Yeah, it's on me now. Okay, perfect. Let's go to uh, the questions. Um, Guys, thank you Actually, for being with me. I don't have my direction because I don't know exactly the next slide, <laughs> but I bet it went something like this. Uh, real quick, I have a, this is probably not going to work because I did this really quickly. Sorry, give me one second. There we go. Just want to show you what some people are saying. <laughs> guys, we're here at the Quest Trillion Dollar Mixer right here. And 
I'm talking to Omero Corona. He's just made more than $100,000 with Real Estate IQ. Could you tell us about your story? Yeah. How's everybody doing? Omero Corona here at the uh, Quest Trust uh, Trillion Dollar Mixer. Really excited to share uh, my testimony and my story with uh, Real Estate IQ. So over the last, uh, you know, about six, seven months, I've been using uh, their platform and getting some of their uh, lists. And I was able to uh, finish my first flip recently where I was able to net about 85000 and in total, I think I've uh, been able to make about $100,000 with Real Estate IQ and their tools. So really excited to share this uh, great um, you know, company with you guys and definitely uh, give it a shot. I think you guys uh, will take advantage of all the tools and uh, it'll be profitable for you and your company. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Potential deal and we analyze it and we block about it. So we uh, should want there you go. So if you are new to, if you are not familiar with Real Estate IQ or haven't really seen what we do, uh, please say yes to the poll question that should be coming up right now. And uh, we can give you a 45 minute one-on-one -on -one deal finding training with one of our specialists. And uh, then you can learn about everything that we do and how we can help you find and analyze your deals. The other thing that I want to show, and this is to everybody, even if you already use Real Estate IQ, we have just rolled out. In fact, we haven't done the formal launch yet, but we've just rolled out our long-awaited online community. So I just want to show you real quick. So if you go to our website, realestateiq.co, and you go here to community, uh, we've got a, a feed. You're going to want to join first. So here where my name is, is where you can, uh, there'll be a thing for you to join the community. And then we also have some groups. Um, so I have a group for investors in Houston. I have a women in real estate group. So please join those if that applies to you. We have, uh, you can see some other groups. If you're interested in investing in Georgia or if you're in Austin, uh, please join one of those groups. And as this grows, that'll be a great place that you can network, especially right now when we can't go to real networking events and meet each other in person, but it's a great way to grow your network. So please do that. Marketplace is where you can find vendors like Paul and events is where uh, you can see the upcoming Real Estate IQ events. We're doing a bunch of webinars and stuff like that right now. So that is pretty much it. Let me go back to here. Uh, we do have some freebies. So there's a survey for that coming up. Right now we have some heat maps, show you where the deals are. We have our deal of the day, which is a live deal from the MLS that's discounted. And so we analyze it with our system and blast it out. And Thank you all for joining. Stay safe and have a great rest of your night. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.